the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. As, as we read this, it, we move into chapter 4. You guys know this for beginning part of Genesis, either because you've been in children's ministry before. Um, everybody has started off Genesis. I'm going to read through the Word of God. And I'm going to start in Genesis and go through. So we've all read the beginning part of Genesis. At this point in chapter 4, they have been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. You know, they, they have eaten of the forbidden fruit. Um, God's judged them at this point, And they've been kicked out. And now they move into... To, to chapter 4, and as we read here, it says, Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in this area right now, too, we see that this is the first children that have been born. We see that he has known you know, his wife. We all know what that means. Not trying to get too graphic into that as we have children in here this morning. Uh, but we all kind of know that as well, what that means. And so as the first children are born, we have Cain that comes out, out first. And Cain here is, is a possession. And, and, and Eve looks at him and says, look, I, I've, I've got him. I've got, I've got this, this child, this man of God. And, and I believe, and many people believe, that this is referencing back to Genesis 3.15. It says, where, where God is, is, is judging the serpent. And in 15 it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, capital S, meaning God, and you shall bruise, he shall bruise your, he, you, he shall bruise, I'm sorry, your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Referring to the fact that, that out of her seed will come this, this enmity, this, this, this fight between the two of them. And so Eve, maybe at this point, is thinking, man, I, I've got him. This is what God has promised to me. This is this is the son. This is the seed that's that's gonna that's gonna conquer this this evil, and so she's kind of excited about that. And then and then another one is born, and and Abel comes on, and and so you've got two sons here, and one is is the firstborn, and you kind of guys know as far as the Old Testament, the patriarch system, and and the firstborn is is the chosen, and he gets just the best of everything, and he's the one that's gonna leave and take everything. And then the second one is is not forgotten. But he's just not as held as high. And we guys remember when we talked about Joseph, that we went through his brothers and how Joseph was still the chosen one, even though he was way down the list as far as brothers. And when he said, hey, look, I'm going to rule over you guys, it was kind of like they're looking at him like, are you crazy? Like you're, you're way down the list as far as being able to rule over somebody. It, it's going to be him. He's the oldest one. And so as we see this, as Cain comes on the scene, man, there's so much excitement. There's so much, and first, plus the firstborn child anyways. Anytime you have our first baby, you know, they're coddled a little bit more. They're taken care. You know, the passy falls on the ground. You kick it up. You wash it off. You sanitize it. You give it back to them. You know, second, third one, you're just wiping it on your, your leg and giving it to the child. You know, I mean, it just changes. You know, that firstborn, that first baby that happens. There's so much excitement, plus the fact that she's actually done something that nobody has ever done before. Only God has created before. And so if you look at Eve, she's actually created something. It hasn't happened before. I mean, again, as we read through the scriptures, we just kind of, we kind of blow through some of this stuff. And if you slow down and you look at Eve, this is the first time that this has happened. 
And she looks on it and they're just excited and, and she says, oh, God has given me this, this child, this seed, this man of God. And they have jobs and Abel is, is, he's the keeper of the sheep. And, and Cain, but Cain, you know, again, but Cain, and, and this but Cain here could mean two different things. It says Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. It could mean but Cain, oh wait, he's got a, a better position. He does, he's got dad's job. He's taking over the family business. He's going to come along and he's going to till the ground and he's going to take care of that. But it could also be looking forward into the scriptures that we just led. But but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And as we'll read soon, that as he bring his, brings his offering, it's not of, of a fat of a lamb or anything like that, the firstborn. He's going to bring something from the land. So it's kind of setting the stage as we, we begin this, is that as we've moved into this, we, we, we're out of the Garden of Eden, we have sin, we have the, the area is completely different, and now we've got a creation of, of two lives have been born, and we've got jobs have been set up, and we've got Adam probably coming along. I'm sure he's doing both jobs. It's not like nobody knows how to tend sheep, and nobody's ever done this before. Adam's kind of teaching the boys how to do these things. So he's kind of doing both things. He's got this one out here doing that. We were joking around in, in, in prayer that, it was good to have many kids because all these chores kind of get done. You know, the points probably no better than the most of us. But but it's nice to have several because you've got, you know, just things get done around the house a little bit better. You know, now the, the negative is that there's more dirt because you have more kids. But hindsight, you don't really care because they're the ones cleaning up anyways once, once they get old enough. You know, so you're like, whatever, make as much dirt as you want because you're going to vacuum and clean it up. So you've got the two boys that are heading out there and they're doing the jobs. And they're heading out there to do this stuff. Again, as we slow down and we look at the, the interesting part of Scripture here, that everything is, is starting anew. It's starting afresh. We just automatically assume that they moved into the, the nice suburb house and they, 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 they got the keys to the house. They had nothing. Remember, they got kicked out of the garden. God places a cherubim there and says, you're not coming back in. Go. You've been judged. You're out. So where do they go? They have no house to move into. They gotta make, they gotta make a house. They've gotta have shelter and beds, a place to sleep. They have to have plates and cups. I mean, all this stuff is not, is not there. Scripture doesn't say that God kicked them out of the Eden and then placed them in the middle of a city where they had everything that they, no, there's nothing there. So they have to start doing all this stuff and they have fields to grow and, and a cursed ground. Remember, the ground is cursed now. That they're, they're going to work by the sweat of their brow. When they were in the Garden of Eden, they just walked around. And, Man, I'm hungry today. I'm going to go grab something to eat. They walked to the nearest tree to grab something and ate. It's not like that anymore. Now they have to work. And the land is different too because we've got the fields that grow, but now you've got animals. And, and, and trust me, things are different. You know, when they were all laying around, they might have been laying next to a lion, they might have been laying next to a tiger, and it, well now they're out of the garden and it's it's every man and animal for himself. And things have drastically changed within the life of Adam and Eve here. And so as they've done all that kind of stuff and they're moving forward and they start looking at the, the, the landscape of what they're doing, they got some fields that they're starting to do, and it's not don't imagine the crops that you would see today. Imagine crops of being in just a small little area because that's all that they could they could manage themselves. And then they've got some some animals over here that they're tending and they're they're taking care of and they're making sure none of the animals come and take away their prey from for to be a prey. And then they need these animals also to be able to eat them. They have to have food and sustenance. 
But then also, they don't have clothes, remember? They've got clothes. and you know, fig leaves only go for so long, you know? I mean, you need something that's going to last a little bit longer, you know? So, unfortunately, you know, Elsie, you know, the little cow's got to go. i got a growing family here, and I need to have clothes to be able to wear and, you know, and, and things to cover. We're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. And who told you that you were, who told you that you weren't clothed? Remember God telling him that? How'd you know you were naked? Now their eyes are open and they get to see all these things. So again, as you walk into this and you move into what's happening, this is the reality of the life that they're living at this point. And so as Eve creates a creation that nobody has done before, there's excitement there. There's work that's happening all the time. And, and this is something that God never intended to happen. God never, his intention was never for that to happen. His intention was that to live in the Garden of Eden and that you guys wouldn't have to do that. But now sin has entered into the world and, and I got to have you out of here. You can't be in here because you've sinned. I can't have that. There's a judgment here. God being just truly perfect to his character said, look, here's the grace and here's the area that I've given you. But man, if you're not going to live within these confines, then judgment has to happen. I have to be a fair God. And he brings them out. Well, unfortunately, the, the, the sins of, of the mother and father here are going to continue down in the generation that we're about to see. And as we, we look at Scripture consistently, we constantly see that. There's a little sin that's here, and we say, well, it's just a little sin. Nobody will ever notice. But that little sin grows. And that little sin carries on to the next generation. And then it grows a little bit more. And it grows a little bit more because that's just what happens to sin. We continue to hide it and we continue to try to cover it up. But I'm telling you, eventually it's going to come out. And unfortunately in this family, and as fortunately that we saw in Joseph's family, that sin just continued to manifest and continued to grow. Again, I don't have all the background because we just have these scripture verses here. I don't know Cain's attitude, you know, as he's walking around the house. I don't know Abel's attitude. I don't know Adam and Eve. I don't know how the good of parents that they were. They didn't have Ted Tripp with books and telling them how to be a good parent. You know, they just had themselves. And they were the first parents. And who do you go to counsel when you're the first parents? I mean, I don't know who, who they had to give them all this information. But here we are. Verse 3 moves on and it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And an offering here, just it's in any type of gift given to a king or a god as an act of allegiance, of worship or devotion, it represents a pledge of loyalty between the giver and the receiver. In this part here, I... I it's it's kind of the offering here is 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 moving into it is um, making sure Don moved my stuff around so I don't, I don't know why that quiet guy over there would do something like that so this is awful. It's funny is when I got up here I said man I need to check this because Don does this every time so. You know, I don't know who that cat is, but so while I was over there praying for his service, his worship, he decided to move things around. So allow that to be judged today. And um, that's right. So much for your piloting. Gets to be a stewardess. 
<laughs> but it's okay because you know what? I'm better than that, you know? So actually I'm not, and Lord knows it already, and I don't want to be like Cain, so I'm gonna not rise up against my brother here. And I think this is how he, they both approached God, okay? <laughs> so let's move that on. There you go. Now we're on the right page. Page two. He's going to do a great wonder when he edits this one. So so it's interesting. At some point, they had to have discussed getting back to the, the offering here. They had to get had some kind of discussion. They knew that an offering was needed to come to God. And so as they move into this first, and I'll read it back over again since Don interrupted us. And it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought forth in the firstborn of his flock and their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And so as we look at this, it's interesting. At some point, there was some kind of discussion. Again, it's not written here in Scripture that we see currently. But there was some kind of discussion that they knew that there was a point to bring an offering to God for the work that he had done for them. I, I, again, I don't understand it here, but obviously maybe it was given to Adam and then Adam, being a good dad, then he, he, he teaches into his children and tells them, because I don't see, it doesn't state that Adam is here. He could have still been there. I don't know the age of them at this point too. I don't think they're little toddlers, but I think at this point too that it's it's a, it's an area where he, he sits there and he understands and they both understand that, hey, i got to bring something to God from the works that God has given me and, and that I can bring it to Him and I just want to thank God for what He has done in my life. And Cain is an, is an offering of the fruit of the ground and, and Abel brought the firstborn of the flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And, and I don't... And here it's interesting is that it's not just the fact that He respected Abel's offering. I think it's important to note there He respected Abel. And his offering. So I think it's, because the whole time I used to think that it was, well the reason he did this God is because, you know, um, one gave an animal to him and the other one gave, gave a grain offering to him and, well that's not really how God wanted it done. You know, you gotta have, a, I, I don't see, and it could very well be that. I could be like in, in left field on this one. But I, but I don't. I don't think that I am because, again, both of them are bringing what their respective fields are, their respective works of what they had done. One was in the field all the time. And one was working with the animals. And I think the fact that, that we see here that it says, he, Lord, respected Abel. And then you also see what he did not respect Cain and their offerings. I think there's a distinct dif- difference here. And I think that as you look at this, you see one where he comes into it and he's just he's just giving his very best to him. You know, the joke here that I was reading as I'm looking at this is just, you know, it said that um, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground and then Abel, you know, and second, typically second child, you know, is probably, you know, jazzed it all up and he's got a, you know, big old track that he's bringing and he's just unhauling all this stuff, you know, being second born, he's got to, he's got to updo his brother a little bit, you know, and so he's just showed it up, you know, bringing it all out and he's probably like, hey, Cain, can you help me bring my stuff out? But again, I don't think that's the attitude as well. I don't think the attitude was just like, hey, I'm going to show up my, my big brother here. The fact is that Cain and, and Abel, Abel is just bringing it. And he said, gosh, I, Lord, I just, I love you so much. I thank you for the things that you have given me this week. And, and, I, and I'm just, here, here's my, not, not out of the reserve of my flock. Lord, here's my firstborn of my flock. And, and of all the fat, here, God, God, here it is. 
And the respect that God had towards him, I don't know if it, at this point, some people said it did, some people said it didn't, as far as that God, maybe God sent just fire from heaven and whoo, tore it up right then. Man, I love that offering. And it's gone. Could he have done that? I don't know. I wouldn't be above God to be able to do something like that. But somehow they knew and they understood that one was appreciated in his offering and they understood that one was not appreciated in his offering. So I don't know if it was an audible that God gave them. I don't know, understand what happened there. But I know every of all the parties knew what was going on. And Cain gets angry and his countenance falls. He's been embarrassed by his little brother and, and God has openly chosen Abel's offering over his own. It says here in Hebrews 11, 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of gifts, and through it, being, he being dead still speaks. Today we still speak of it. Why? Because his gift was just more righteous. Not that, not that Abel was righteous, that his gift that he gave the Lord was just more righteous. 1 John 3, 10 through 12 says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was wicked of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. It's not the fact that, that he looked at him, he just man, I, I just know that, that, that kid, I just can't stand him. Just always being righteous and being right. It's kind of like Joseph's brothers, the same thing. We just can't stand this kid. Why he's chosen by dad and he just, he just does what's right. Gosh, I can't stand. You ever been around somebody like that before? I mean, whether at work or whatever, and you can be a Christian to be like this too, it's fine, but I mean, it, it just, you just look at people and you're just like, gosh, I can't stand that guy. He's got everything. I was single over in Fort Lauderdale for like ever. Okay, so I'm like single forever and you're like at a church of, I don't know, 15,000 people, right? So you're thinking, there's lots of single girls here, right? I can get married at some point, right? I mean, there's, you know, I got lots to choose from, right? And so nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? I'm like, I'm praying and it's all. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Lord just just laughed at me. said, oh yeah, well watch this. There was a whole slew of models that got saved not like girl models okay there was a couple of those a bunch of guy models okay that got saved and and the problem was is they were all like great guys i mean they were real were they not they were all like great guys you're like several of them are pastor you're like what you know lord really i mean so it's like really that's funny you know that's just ha ha you know and so you look at these guys you're like i can't even like dislike you because you're like my friend and you, you love Jesus and, and you're just good looking. I mean, that's just not fair. You know, I mean, what about the rest of us, Lord, have been at this church serving you and just, you know, and God says, I, I don't care. Just give me your righteousness. Give me what you have so that, that, that I can just sit there and I can just pour out my love upon you. Why? Because you're just giving me your best. And Cain looks at him, his brother, and he says, I just can't, I can't stand this kid just being righteous all the time and, and giving the best that he can. And, and, and so they just walk in there. And as they walk into there, as I think this shows the both, how they both approach it. Abel is just giving his very best to the God. Just here it is, Lord. It just whatever you want, it's yours. And Cain just shows up and 
just kind of throws a plate on the ground. Here you go, God, it's yours. It's not the fact that he gave him something from the field. It's the fact that he, I think he just gave him his leftovers. You know, maybe some stuff that was brown or kind of going, you know, the stuff that's on discount at Publix or whatever, you know, that you're like, hey, really, 50 cents? And they're like, ah, just take it for 10 cents. You know, something like that. I think that's just his attitude that it was like, I'm not going to give God this. I mean, look at this tomato. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's going to be awesome tonight on my salad. Why would I give God that? Here, let me give him this one over here. It's a little shriveled up and I really can't, I don't want to eat that one. And we sit there and we laugh about stuff like this as we look at Cain and we look at Abel. But the, the seriousness is is that I would say some of us here this morning are the same way. I'd say some of us this morning that even me saying that, you got a little mad at me. You sit there and say, well, and Kevin, that's, that's my heart. You know, that's, that's, don't, don't talk to me about that. Well, I'm not. I, I think that as those scripture verses read right there, that even now we're speaking of those things. And I think sometimes when we walk into here, when we, we come to worship the Lord and we come to sing the praises of God and we're just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of singing the song. Kind of, kind of half-hearted. I'm, I might be standing, I might be sitting. Even if I'm standing, I'm not, not really engaged. You know, the person back there can't even get the words up there. I can't read it, you know, so why why do I have to sing? Why do I have to do this? It's because he's worthy to be worshipped. That That's why you have to do it. And, and even if you don't know the words of the song, the attitude of your heart can be what is, is, is what's judged here. I've seen many people that that have just sat there and just, not even singing a song, but just absolutely in worship and in praise to God because they're in His presence. You don't have to sing a song to worship Him. If you don't know the words, it's a no song. It's from the 80s. Okay, that's fine. But you can still raise your hands to worship a holy God that deserves to be worshipped. And it shouldn't be, I have to go to church today to worship God. It's, I get to go to church to worship God. And as you sit there and you open up and you, you start to pray to God, it's not the fact that I sit there and I have to pray to God. I get to pray to God. There are people all throughout this Old Testament that would have loved to have the opportunity that we have to be able to come into the throne, King of Kings and the Holy of Holies and to be able to get on our knees and just come into the presence of God and go, God, here's my prayers to you. This is what I'm going through today. And, and I and I want to give you my prayers. I have to read my Bible today. You get to read your Bible today. You get to sit here and see what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me today by reading my word. And too many times we come into the, the presence of God and we're like Cain and we just... Your God, there's my checklist for the day and I get to move on to go throughout the rest. And I tell you right now that that's, that's something that should be a warning to you guys. It should be a warning to me that, that man, when I have the opportunity to become in, to come in front of the, the creator of everything, that, that he is worthy of my praise. And that I should not be like Cain and just kind of give him some old, dead, dried up, shriveled vegetables 
But that as I come in front of God, who I, I give him my, my firstborn. My firstborn, sorry, John. But if he asked, I would have to. If my firstborn, okay. And the fat. I go, God, here it is. I, I just love you so much. Thank you for this day. That's, that's the difference in our heart. That's the difference in an attitude of, of being like Abel and saying, God, here it is, everything, and, and being like Cain and going, that's what you get today, God, because I've got two appointments and, 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 a, and, a, and, a dinner, and dinner to go to tonight. That's it. Verse 6 says, And so the Lord came, said to Cain, And where are you? Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. And what I see here in verse 6 and 7 is, is a warning from God. And, and, and I look at this as it's, it's kind of God's grace, is it not? Is it not God's grace that he looks at him and says, kind of like Adam and Eve, say, hey, look, man, the whole garden is yours. I'm just asking you that one over there. Just don't eat of it, man, but, but enjoy everything else in here. And just enjoy life. You know? And here God is looking at him and they come down and they, they, and God knows what's going on in Cain's heart and he looks at him and he, he senses his heart and he reads it and he says, you know, why, why are you so angry? And it might have been obvious. I mean, it might, Cain, Cain might have blown off, just ah, can't believe this and just, you know, did something or said something or, or maybe he just held it inside, but man, he has just got this red face going and God, God talks to him, well, why are you so angry? Why is your countenance fallen? What, what came? What, what's up? What's going on here? He then warns them. He says, man, listen, if, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. God gives them an opportunity to repent for what his actions are. And and then ultimately, who who is Cain angry at? If you think about this, if you slow things down, who is Cain angry at? He's angry at God. He's angry at his brother. Who should he be angry at, though? Should be himself. And so many times in our own lives, we we like to deflect the fact that that we have done something wrong, and yet, but it's 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 their fault. It's because of them. Well, it's because of my dad back when I was three. I did he did this to me. You know, he took a toy from me or something. And that's why I've been angry the rest of my life. What? Why don't you just take some personal responsibility and sit here and go, no, it's me. God, would you just change my heart? But so many times we want to turn around and we want to deflect everything else to everybody else. And well, it's Steve's fault. Why? Because he showed up today. And and I just knew he was going to do that. And you're like, well, what, what, what has it got to do with Steve, though? It's your own heart. Why well, is all Steve just worshiping God and just enjoying his time with the Lord? And well, I can't do that today. So I, I can't believe Steve just made me feel bad. And then my countenance gets mad and I get angry. And, and the Lord's like, what is that for? Steve's doing what he should be. Abel's doing what he should be doing. Cain, listen, would you not be accepted? He's telling, look, look, would you not be accepted? Listen, just do, the, do it over. Go get your best. Bring it to me. I, I'm here. Will you not be accepted? God has actually just brought sin, brought the, the light to his sin. And, and, and I know for myself too, I'm, I'm not always happy when God does that. When God brings light to my sin, 
I'm like, really? You know, okay, God, I see it there, but, you know, do we have to deal with this now? God's like, yes, let's get it going now. I'll accept you back. Just, I'm just asking you, please, just, just repent for it. For us, it's easier. We've got, we got Jesus and we've got the, the cross and we can just bring our petitions and Jesus, man, the blood just washes us as we're clean. And he's asking him right here, would you not be accepted? I'll take you. Right now, let's do this thing. But the warning here is, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Christian, it's the same as today. Is reminds me of 1 Peter 5, 8, and it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And too many times from myself, and I've said this before, is I, we all like to blame Satan for things that go on in our lives. And yes, yeah, Satan is very active, and, and I agree with that. I'll be honest with you, the, the biggest problem I have in my life is, is me. It's my own flesh. I mean, it's just I have got enough in me of my flesh that, you know, if Satan ever messed with me, I, like, dude, you're, you're just wasting your time because I've got enough going on in my own life. But this is a warning, Christian, that we need to be humble before God who is encouraging us to get right with Him. Isn't that just so the Lord, though? The Lord sits there and we may not bring our best to Him and we sit there and we, we kind of give Him as our second best and then God still comes to us and says, "Man, I, I, but I love you. Do you understand that? I mean, I, I just want, he might bring somebody in your life or he might open something up in the scripture. Or you might hear a song that day or he might just, a little soft knock on your heart that day. Just, man, just, just get it right. Would you please just come to me now? I mean, it's just so God. He's just so wonderful and he's so loving and he's so giving. I mean, it just didn't stop at the cross, but the fact that he forgave us of our sins, but yet still God still wants to be part of our day every single day. He says, I just love you so much. And, and he looks at Cain and he, he gives him a warning and says, but even greater than that, says, but you should rule over it. Look, I'm telling you that it's coming. It's kind of like John's Don's um, message last week about the football is that, look, we're going to run right there and you just got to stop us. I mean, if you knew that that was going to happen right there, I mean, you're going to send today when you go out here at 2.30, somebody's going to cut right in front of you and you're going to be ready to say a word to them, Okay. Don't tell them they're number one. Okay? I mean, just, that's what God's telling you to do. Listen, don't do this. It's at 2.30 today. Don't do it. You should overcome this. And we should overcome it because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's, that's how we should overcome it. We're walking in the light. We're walking with God. Man, those things, we, there should be a difference between us and the world. And so God looks at Cain and says, but you should overcome this. I'm telling you, you guys should overcome it. I'm not saying you should be perfect. I'm not saying you should be sinless. But I'm saying there are temptations in your life that you should overcome. You know better. We all know better. We have to look at it and approach it in a way of, am I walking in the way? Have I done these things right? Well, then let's let's move forward here. I'm in contact with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is working in. But what does Cain do? Well, Cain moves on to verse 8. It says, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, and there they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And this area is a premeditation is because Cain does not take the counsel of the Lord. He just blows right through all those warning signs. He looks at it and says, Whatever. I'm just, I'm just so angry. He just allows it to fester inside of him. He doesn't confess it. He doesn't make it right with the Lord. He just continues to compress it. And now it's to a point where... The volcano blows. 
And here we are in, in the first family, the second generation, and we already have our first murder. That's how wonderful people are. When people say, oh, people are good people. People are, no. It took two, two took a second generation for murder. That's it. A brother against a brother. And he rises up and there's a premeditation. So the fact that he sat there and he, God warned him. And then meanwhile, Cain's just in his mind, man, if I can just talk to him, uh, you know what? Come on, man, let's, let's go for a walk. You know, let's go. I'm going to go show you some new stuff in my field that I've got here. And he takes a walk from him. He rises up against his brother. It's just a coldness in his heart. And just, uh, just to sit there and to think that your brother, I mean, there's not a lot to choose from here. And he just rises up in anger and he just lashes out against him. Unfortunately, my mind immediately, I thought of the Parkland shooter. You know, just the devastation of, you know, 17 people dead, many more injured and could have been a lot worse, would have been a lot worse. He didn't, he didn't care how many that he killed. I mean, how does somebody get that cold hearted, that hard hearted that you're willing to just lash out at people that you don't even know? And just wreck families and friends forever. And just cold-blooded to go to McDonald's and then a subway after and get caught at home. What? I mean, no repentance, no, no throwing up over, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, I get some people that take their own lives because they probably can't believe, I, I actually just did that. And this kid just goes to a couple restaurants. No effect on him, like a robot. And, I, and on a, unfortunately, I see that in Cain. I see him rise up against his brother, cold-hearted, just lashes out, kills him, buries him, goes home and has dinner. It just how do you do that? I mean, how, how, does, how does something that bad just get inside of you that you just continue to, to allow this to fester? And then his jealousy towards his brother and his anger toward his God, and he just drives him to this kind of event to happen. His heart has gone from selfishness and his worship to God to anger to his brother and it leads to murder. You say, well, then he's just going to drop to his knees and ask for forgiveness. Verse 9 says, And then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cain just continues down this path of, of being hard-hearted. God asked him about his brother, and now he lies to God. You know, go back to verse 7, and it said, If you do well, you will be accepted, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and it's desire for you, but you should rule over it. And he didn't rule over it. The sadness is, is that he does not give a proper sacrifice to God, and he, then he plans out how he's going to murder his brother. Then he murders him. And God comes to him yet again and lies and denies knowing where his brother is. And unfortunately, I, I then you know retrospect on myself and you know we like to look at the examples in the scripture at times and sit there and and shake our heads at them, you know, like like we're holier than they are, like we're like we know better than they do. But in all honesty, I see myself a lot in Cain. You know, there's a lot of times where I, God warns me and I resist because I have a poor attitude of, or I like my sin better. And it's got a poor attitude that day. And 
I just snap back to God and go, well, you put me here. You know what's going on. And he offers an opportunity to make things right and I don't take it or I'm just too mule-headed to accept it. And it warns me. There's too many times that I act out in jealousy or, or anger. Aren't you glad I'm your pastor? King lashes out in anger towards the Lord. He says, am I, am I your brother's keeper? You really think that God needed to know where his brother was? I think, one, he was just questioning him to... Maybe God was trying to be gracious again and go, Cain, dude, where, where is he at? Where is your brother go? Hoping that he would maybe just drop to his knees and, God, I did it. I'm so sorry. A loving God, again, coming to Cain and offering the love and the grace and the mercy that, that Cain is un, unwilling to give back. I mean, this is how loving God is that he continues to come back to this, this man. And yet God, Cain just sits there and turns his head and just continues to rash, rash out on him, just like the world does. You know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world. But yet the world continues to, to push back against God and push it back against everything that he wants for them. Verse 11 and 12 is a judgment. Again, at some point when God continues to give his grace and continues to pour out, and Adonis said many times, don't, don't, don't expect God's, you know, his lack of, what, how do you say it? His lack of judgment to be an attitude of permission or something like that. Don't, don't allow it to be a permission just because God hasn't judged you. You're in a sin and it continues to go down the road and, well, God hasn't judged me. He must be pretty cool with it. No, he's not. At some point, there will be a judgment. He has to. Otherwise, he has to look at everybody else and go, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, you guys get a day. You guys get a grace day. You know? No, it doesn't happen that way. God, at some point, has to look at it and go, man, I've given you as much grace as I can. But I see the attitude of your heart, and it's not going to change. And, well, here comes the judgment. It says, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And it's judgment. And God has is a just God, just, just God and must judge this sin that has happened continuously over the time. I think it's interesting if you guys continue to read on later is that now all of a sudden Cain's, oh, but this is too great for me. Lord, I can't take this. Again, not coming to God asking for forgiveness, but again, just thinking of himself. You know, worried about himself. Why? Well, I, I, this is too much for me. I can't bear all of this. Again, where's the repentant heart, Cain? So this is the first family and then the second generation and we have a murder. Like we always mention here at church, we, we love the honesty of the Bible and and how we do not hold up men and women in the Bible. I mean, the Bible doesn't sit there and hide everything that happens within their own life. They're sinners just like you and I. You know, Adam ate of the fruit and his son kills his other son. Saul is the first king. We see the, 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 the dredge of a life that Saul ended up le- le- um, leading. Saul at the beginning, if you guys remember, Saul was so humble that he didn't want to get picked. He was standing all the way in the back. 
But he was seen because he was just so much taller than everybody else, he couldn't hide. That changed quickly. David had Bathsheba, you know, and, and the adultery that he committed. Did you know David also had a son that raped one of his, his sisters? I mean, that's just a good, solid family there that, no, it wasn't. And again, the Bible displays all this. Why? So that we can continue to learn from these events. Elijah hides in a cave from Jezebel. After doing this great, amazing work from the Lord, he then immediately, next time you see him, he's in a cave hiding out from a woman. Peter. Do we need to talk about Peter? I mean, just great, amazing times in Peter's life and then just followed up with just, what are you saying, Peter? What are you doing? You can't say that. Saul, who then turns into Paul. Saul, just a guy who killed Christians, killed believers, people who were trying to follow Jesus because he thought that he was doing the right thing, that he was he was so gung-ho for the Lord and wanted to serve God, and then God gets his heart, turns him 180, says, yes, I want that energy, but I just need you to go in the right way. I'll tell you guys now, too, that you, you and I are part of this 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 tree, this lineage. We, we all have parts in our lives that we want to show and, and hold up to everybody to see, but guess what? There are other parts in our lives that we're like, ah, but don't look behind this curtain over here, you know? That this is this is hidden behind this door because of for a purpose because I'm really ashamed of this area of my life. We all have those areas in our life, but the point is that we either are actively coming to the Lord like Abel did and, and laying down what we have before God and going, God, man, this this may not be as good as His over there, but man, this <laughs> this is all I got today, and it, you've got the first fruits. This is the best that I have for you today, and the Lord <laughs> takes it. Thank you so much for that. He just wants your best. He doesn't want a quantity amount. He doesn't want everything that, that you want to steal from them and steal from them. And, and here, it just so makes it look better. I don't need candles and confetti and stuff like that. I just want your best. Give it to me. And he takes it and he moves on. Again, as I look at this, I see a cold heart in Cain. You know, the heart is an interesting thing. The, the heart can be can be evil, it can be full of lust, it can be prideful, it can be rebellious, it can have hatred, it can have fear, it can have doubt, condemnation, suffering, sorrow, it can be unrepentant. That heart that's in us, all those things are possible with us. All Every day we could have some, if not all of these. But God wants to give you a new heart, and He has if you're a Christian. He wants a heart that's prayerful, and glad, and joyful, and humble. And again, sometimes we get around those people, those Christians, and there's one lady that I'm thinking of, I won't mention her name right now because some of you guys know her, but she's just, whenever you're around her, you just smile. She just, just loves the Lord, you know, and just comes in and you're just like, gosh, you've just got, it's a great attitude of life. How does that happen? And her life hasn't always been perfect. I mean, she's lost a husband, and but yet still... Who does she love, though? She loves Jesus. And I mean, when you're around her, you just got to smile. Why? Because that that just rubs off on you. It just overflows out of her life. And you're just like, you're just awesome. But it's just cool. Is that who you are today? I mean, is your heart in an attitude of where, man, I just want to worship the Lord and I want to give thanks for everything that I have. It may not be everything that I want, but you know what? God, everything that I need, you have given me and you've been faithful. And you have been honoring to me more than I ever deserved. And Lord, I just want to, want to give that back to you. 
I want to give it back to you because, man, I just, I appreciate you and I love you. And I change, I thank you the fact that, you know, Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, then I will give them one heart and I will put the new spirit within them and then take the stony heart from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and, and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. So God has sat there and as, as a believer, he's, he's taken out this, this cold hearted stone heart that we've had. And he gives us a heart of flesh. Well, that heart of flesh, what that means is that now all of a sudden, I have a caring heart. And I'm not doing it out of works. You know, some people might, let step on a lot of toes. Some people might, you know, just love cats and want to help out cats and might have make a depot out of it or something like that. You know what I mean? And so you might just invest all of your life into just making sure these little furry creatures are happy. And look, I love animals. I really do. I love animals. We spoil our dog. I mean, we spoiled our cat before that, you know? I mean, they live better than we do. But I just, some people just, that's that's what their goal is in life. Really? Well, I want, I want a heart of flesh that as I look into my church and as I look into my community, I see men and women that they need God and that need Jesus and that need a hope. Because the hope is what's going to, it's going to bring us there. Our hope is what's going to continue to help us, to motivate us to go through life. That when I go through a hard time, it's not the fact that I've got to, I've got to just struggle and I've got to, I've got this hard flesh, hard stoned heart that I'm just going to just battle through life and I'm going to do what it takes to get done. Why? Because, well, life is just hard and life just continues to get harder if you continue to look at it that way. But meanwhile, I turn around and I take my heart of my flesh and I look up to God and say, God, would you just fill me with your spirit today? Why? Because I can't do it on my own. Because if I have this heart of, of stone, man, I have to do it. I have to muster all the energy to get this done today. But God, if you're working in me and I've got your Holy Spirit and your counselor comes upon me, well then, whew, it's no longer I who do the work. But it's Christ who lives with inside of me that allows me the ability to do what he's called me to do. It's the ability to be able to come up here this morning and to give a message when it's only God that gives you the ability to do this. So many times we want to honor those people that have just the mouthpiece to get up here. But it's not its not this that does that. It's us when we're outside doing the work. It's not the fact that we can sit here and just continue to gain more and more knowledge of this word. It's the only thing that changes our heart and allows us to is then to take this and then get outside the doors and to be able to change people's lives. And to lock arms together and get outside and we sweat together when we're helping somebody or we lead somebody to the Lord or we or we do both. That's what empowers you. And then you see God working and you're just like, man, I'm on fire. I could do anything right now. God, what do you want me to do? Go talk to that person. Gone. I'm there. I went on a mission trip with a, a group of people second time to go to Russia. There was this guy, man, he was he was every single word. Hey, did you hear the good news? It's That was his line. It was his opening line to Every single person to the point where you're just like, dude, I'm just do it a different way. Okay. Cause I'm tired of here, but he was so active. He just, every single person, Hey, did you hear the good news? And they're like, well, what's the good news? Pam, they're off. You know, he's just, he's ready to go, you know, and he's presenting the gospel right then that quick. So we joked around on our way back. We had a layover in London and he went ahead of time to the airport and we were all laughing about, man, I wonder how many people he's already talked to about the Lord. I mean, it was just his, he didn't want to be at the hotel. I'm not sleeping. I'm asleep on the airplane. I'm going to get to the airport two hours before everybody else. Why? Because I'm not done on the missions trip, man. I've still got people to witness to. I'm in, I'm ready to go. How many of us have that heart this morning? You're like, oh, Kevin, whoa, you know, I'm not an evangelist. You don't see, I'm more of the silent partner type, you know? 
the Lord kind of uses me in different ways. And, you know, we've all got different bodies in here, you know, parts of the body. And so some people the mouthpiece, you know, some people the feet. You know, I'm more of the warm, fuzzy, hug kind of guy, you know. No. And that's a joke to be able to get you to realize, no, you're not. Some of us do have the gift to be able to evangelize. I, I'm with you. Some people just have that ability and it flows. But each one of us has been called to be disciples. Go and make disciples. Then say, come, go and sit in a pew or a chair and take in as much food as you possibly can and get fat. You know, it doesn't work. I'm just telling you. Go out there and be active. Take that heart that God has given you. He's given you the 180 degrees turn as far as what he did with Saul. Turn you into Paul that now you're ready to go out into the world. That you're not like Cain and you're sitting there and you're judging people and you're mad at God. Now I'm actively ready to work and serve God in however he's called me. I think as we look at the opportunity given to Cain to ask for forgiveness and be humbled before God, well, he chose the hardest stone. I don't want what you have, God. I don't want to be able to give back to you. Why? Because I'm my own man. I'll do it myself. Well, how about you this morning? I've already challenged you in your heart this morning. Where are you guys at? Are you at a point right now that you're like, Kevin, that's, that's, that's me. I, I've laughed since that point, but you know what? I, I do have a hard heart this morning. Can I say either after service or you can come forward, talk to Pastor Don or myself and, and allow us to pray with you. And, and again, it's not that I, ha- I have any magical words that's going to do anything for you, but allow us to sit there and bring you before God and to say, God, allow you to do the work within his or her heart to, to, to take that out there. Because I'm telling you right now, that verse right there is for us as well. Sin is at the door. It's waiting for you. It, it wants you. The lion is out there and he's waiting to see who he can steal and destroy. He's out there for us. Okay, He's already got some of the world. He, he wants us. And he may not be able to get our heart because we're locked with salvation. But man, I'm telling you, he can get us so far off the path of where he wants us to be that we become useless for the gospel of Christ. I don't want to be useless. I want to be useful. So I'm saying right now, this morning, I want you guys to come forward afterwards. If that's you, then I make it right with God now. Don't be like Cain and be hard-hearted and allow that anger with God then to be judged. Well, even this morning, God, why would you even call me out on that? Because he loves you. He wants to change you. He wants to perfect you. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is when Peter walks on the water and you guys know the story, and then he starts to sink. You know, lack of faith starts happening, and he starts to sink, which I get. I would be walking on water and be like, what in the world's going on? And I would sink too. I get it. But the amazing part of the story to me is not that he walked on water. is that when he starts to sink, he screams out, Lord, save me. And the most awesome verse to me is that, and immediately he reached out and grabbed him. If that's you today, listen, cry out. Lord, save me. Save me from sinking into this water of this abyss. Lord, save me. And I promise you this morning, God will immediately reach out his hand and he will grab you. And he will pull you out of that water and he will save you. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your grace. I thank you, God, that you are a good father. Or that you continue to seek after us and you continue to long for us, Lord. 
God, even as we look at Cain and Abel this morning and just one of just a heart that just loves you, Lord, and Cain, just a hard-hearted. But God, even in that hard heart, Lord, you continue to chase after him. You continue to seek after him and give him warnings and give him abilities to ask for forgiveness. God, I pray for us this morning that if there is anybody in here today that, Lord, that needs you, that this morning would be the day. They would cry out to you, Lord, ask for forgiveness. And Lord, I know you immediately will pull them to you. The only thing that stops us is, is us. For the rest of us this morning, God, as well, I pray that you would just help us to continue to, to remember to bring our best to you, Lord. To bring our, our, our first fruits to you. That, God, that we would give you whatever that you've asked us for. We would give it willingly and lovingly. God, be with us the rest of this week. Bring us back safely for the women's Bible study, the men's Bible study, the youth, and again, a church next Sunday as well. And Lord, allow us to have just praise reports of the things that you have done through each one of us, God. I pray specifically, Lord, that you would work in each person's life this week, that each one of us would have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. God, we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.